helpful. It is, uh, it's an honor to be back with you today. Um, trust each one of you had an incredible uh, Thanksgiving celebration. When you hear the phrase, that's my lot in life, what comes to mind? A lot of things. That's the best we can hope to accomplish. I'm stuck here in this job, marriage, with these kids, etc. I'm just a product of my upbringing, my spiritual heritage, etc. I can't break out of this addiction, this lifestyle, these ideas that have been uh, that I have to deal with every day. How do we break out of these mindsets? And all of us, if we're honest, have thought about these things. Uh, we may have even been guilty of sharing these things in honesty. Steve, thanks for your heart uh, for Nairobi. Thank you for, uh, for your honesty about being transparent relationally. Thank you for that. So how do we break out of this? Well, one of the ways I think that we can combat this is looking at a different lot in life. And I've used lot as an acrostic. Not a lot in life in a complaining way, but living a life of thanksgiving. I think that's a way that we combat having a, a really bad mindset regarding what's going on in our own lives. We just celebrated a Thanksgiving holiday. For many of us, uh, insulin pumps were working overboard. Uh, for many of us, hopefully that was an incredible time of celebration for you. So how are our hearts this morning? Do we have hearts and lives of thanksgiving? Maybe you feel that there's not much to be thankful for today. In all honesty, because of circumstances in your life, because of things happening, we can live lives of thanksgiving today. Not a fake or put on. A lot of people hit the door of a church and put on what we call a game face. That's not what I'm talking about. A put on or a fakeness, then you get back in your SUV and head to uh, eat food afterwards, and it goes back to the way it was. What I'm talking about is a genuine life of thanksgiving. We have so much. We've sung about it. We've been led into God's worship today. So much to be thankful for in every day, even though we struggle with sin and are realistic about that. We live today in what? A thankless culture. We live in a culture that's marked by, as Steve was talking about earlier, that's marked by what? Envy? Jealousy? What I don't have? Which is exactly the way the enemy came in Adam and Eve in the garden. Not reminding them of God's provision where he said, eat of all these trees, what does the enemy always focus in on? The one thing that we don't have. That's not living a life of thanksgiving. So I'm going to look today, if you turn in your Bibles, to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 of Psalm 95 and look at what it means to live a life of thanksgiving. Psalm 95. Follow along, if you will. Come, and we've done this this morning. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, 
a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and in the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, why? Because he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock. And notice this last phrase. The flock under his care. Pray with me again, please. Abba, this is your word. You have promised that it would not return to you void. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take your word, use it, bless it for your glory. Jesus, you are our focus this morning. Help us by the power of your spirit to live lives of thanksgiving. We give this time to you. Thank you for your incredible and passionate pursuit of us and your love for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, Many scholars, biblical scholars, attribute this, even though you will not see a heading as a psalm of David, which makes absolute sense as you look at the passage. So what does it mean? What does it look like, some truths that we can dig into and draw out from this passage of Scripture regarding a life of thanksgiving? Number one, a person living a life of thanksgiving has a thankful heart regardless of the circumstances. A person living a life of thanksgiving has a thankful heart regardless of the circumstances. Verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy for the Lord, to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. What's missing there? Notice the psalmist doesn't say what? to praise God if we feel like it, or if times are peachy, or if things are just great. Money in the bank, health, people love us, people just rise up, our children rise up, and we'd celebrate this, and call us blessed. He says what? To praise Him. We get the idea that this thought is similar to what? James 1, 2. There are times, and if you'll be honest with me, we don't want to say, I wish that scripture wasn't there. We don't ever want to say that. But how many times have we read a passage and like, I wish I might not have encountered that today. If you're honest, we've all been there. James 1, verse 2 says what? Count it (laughs) joy, not plastered fakeness. Count it joy when? When times are great? Things are fine? No. When you encounter what? Various trials. And the implication is circumstances that you weren't looking for. What? How do we do that? Through the power of the Spirit. Verse 1, the idea of seeing has that idea of what? To call loudly in praise. Maybe our voice doesn't sound like uh, an opera singer. Maybe our voices, and the Lord looks at the heart, might, we might not have a booming baritone or soprano voice. That's not what's being talked about. The idea is, well, not just verbally singing, but a song of thanksgiving in our hearts. But here's the operative question. Are we letting the, quote, goodness 
of our circumstances determine our joy and thanksgiving in life. Let me repeat that again. And this is not easy at all. Are we letting the, quote, goodness of our circumstances determine our joy and thanksgiving in life? That if everything is smooth sailing, then we're thankful. If everything, all our relationships seem to be fine, our health is perfect, then we're thankful, then we're joyful. Well, let's get real. Let's get real. This goes against what? The health and wealth prosperity gospel, which at its heart is heresy. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. The idea is in health and wealth prosperity gospel, you come to Christ, everything's going to be great. Your spouses will love you regardless. Your relationships will be perfect. Your bank account will be full. Or if it's not, have more faith and it will. Well, hmm, that doesn't work and that's not biblical. And some of us have been preached to in our lives a health and wealth prosperity gospel. Nowhere in this passage do we see a fakeness. We're to be real about our circumstances. We need to be honest. And thanks, brother, for sharing about the honesty that you all are sharing and the people that you're ministering to and with with gospel. Be honest. But do we still have thankfulness? As believers, be real about that. But if we allow life, and can I share this with you honestly? This goes for every person in here myself at the top of the list if we allow what life to be the determiner of our joy then we will never have joy we will never have spirits of of uh, thanksgiving and hearts of thanksgiving the idea here is what come let us sing before the lord verse 2 let us come before him with thanksgiving the idea here is to approach him or meet him, especially when this harkens back to Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, never present help in time of trouble. And for some of you, that's incredibly real today. For some of us, we need to live as in Christ as if that were real. An ever-present help in time of trouble. We approach him. We meet, we meet him in our time of need. What are we about to celebrate? Y'all are going to be decorating this sanctuary and these church, the church building lively with great, you know, festive season. What are we praising him for in the incarnation, in Advent? His pitching our tent with us and coming to die for our sins. That is is reason for celebration and shame on us shame on us if we what if that's become commonplace for us today that's become rote if that's become what uh whatever i've sung lead me to calvary five million times thank you oh my savior oh my father for giving us your son if that's become easy to sing hmm that's not a life of thanksgiving. Thank you for leading us into his presence with that. So a person living a life of thanksgiving has a thankful heart, regardless of circumstances. Secondly, a person living a life of thanksgiving sees God as supreme, not themselves. A person living a life of thanksgiving sees God as supreme, not themselves. Look at verses 3 through 5 in the text. 
For the Lord, not Drew Randall, is the great God, uh, the great king above all gods. In his hand, not mine, are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, not mine, not ours, for he made it. We can't claim that. And his hands formed the dry land. David's focus is, here, is God here, not his own problems in life. David never, most all of the Psalms, if you want to see a case, multiple case studies for honesty before the Lord, read the Psalms. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Time and time again, in the Psalms, we see a pattern of what? Blatant honesty. But not complaint, not a lack of thanksgiving. God doesn't want us to ignore the problems that we have in life. But like Psalms 46.1, He is our refuge and strength. We are not. What happens if we've set ourselves up as our own refuge and strength? We're going to come crashing, right? Because we can't do it. No matter how, if we're claiming our education, if we're claiming our pastoral experience, if I'm claiming, well, I've been at Bryan College since its invention, which is not true, but... If we're claiming past ministry accomplishments or our ability to weasel in and out of situations easily, we're going to fall. There is one strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. That's the Father. Verse 3, look here. For the Lord is the great God, the King above all kings. He is King over all gods. Little g. And for that matter, He is King over what? Circumstances. Right? But how many of us live in a total spirit of ungodly desperation, even with circumstances? We try to handle it. He is king over everything. All of creation and all of what goes on, even in a sinful world, in his creation. And that is something to be thankful about this morning. He is all that. No one... Double negative, so if you're an English teacher, I, you could dock me some points for this. No one or no thing ones up El Shaddai or God Almighty. Nothing. When he says, the psalmist, for he is the great king above all little g gods, we talked about before, what have we set up as little g gods or idols? He's king over those. Maybe our circumstances today, we set up as an idol. Living a life of thanksgiving means the focus is not me. The focus is not my life. And we've sung about it this morning. This is a church that proclaims Christ. And he's our focus. Sitting in Bill's class today. Oh, uh, here he goes again. Randall just embarrasses the Bill, the teacher. But from the Old Testament, what does the Old Testament do? Points to Jesus. Scripture. It's all about Jesus. And that's not a cliche, that's truth. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus. Are we proclaiming that today? That's living a life of, of thanksgiving. Verse 4, look at this. In his hands, hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peak belongs to God. Everything is subject to King Jesus. Everything. Everything. Every sickness every victory that we have, our living of life, governments, everything is subject to King Jesus. And my question today, we need to be honest about our circumstances, are we living, one, as if we are subject to King Jesus, 
Two, are we living lives of thanksgiving as if those circumstances were subject to King Jesus? Many of us struggle with that. That's living a life of thanksgiving. This is not to sugarcoat our circumstances. But is in control of them and what? Uses them for our good. We quote and we've got more of these plaques and fridge magnets with Romans 8.28. God works all things out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Define good. We see good as what? Everything's hunky-dory. The car starts. My health's great. Uh, insulin pump pumping as it should that's what we see as good god's definition of good may not line up with what we consider good right we see good as an absence of conflict that's not god's when god says i will work it out for good it's his good at work in us does that make sense so even medical conditions circumstances he uses for what if we loved him or called according to his purpose if we've trusted christ for our good we need to rest in that today indeed we need to rest in that today you know what that's cause for thanksgiving a truth that i learned years ago and god is still teaching me is this my comfort is not God's ultimate concern. Can I repeat that? And you know this in your heart of hearts, dear saints. My comfort is not God's ultimate concern. My sanctification and bringing me to the place and you, if you name the name of Jesus, where at the end of my days, I'm looking more and more like Jesus than when I came to Christ at seven years old. That is, that's what we need to rest in. He will do whatever it takes. But he's not a mean God. It's for our good. So secondly, a person living a life of thanksgiving sees God as supreme, not themselves. And I'm thankful for your pastor mentioning this morning what? The glory goes to the Father. As you're living, as you're working in a foreign country spreading gospel at TVA, at Pelsippi, wherever. Is God receiving the ultimate glory for your life in the spirit today? Or is it all about us? Hmm. David's focus here, the psalmist's focus, all on the Father. So one, a person living a life of thanksgiving has a thankful heart regardless of circumstances. Secondly, a person living a life of thanksgiving sees God as supreme and not themselves. Thirdly, a person living a life of thanksgiving has a posture of humility and dependence before God. A person living a life of thanksgiving has a posture of humility and dependence for God. Look at verses 6 and 7. What's David's response when faced with or when presented with that he is king above all gods? In, the, the hand, in his hands are the depths of the earth. The sea is his. David's posture is what? Six. Come let us bow down. Come let us worship. And what? A spirit of humility. Look at verse seven. For he 
is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So it's an interesting tie-in here. As we kneel before the Lord our God, our maker, we kneel in humility, also dependent on him for everything, but realizing what? We're in his flock if we know Christ. You see the connection points there? Would those closest to us in Christ say what? Are we more full of ourselves or full of Jesus? Would those closest to us... Now, don't ask somebody that you just see on Sunday morning. <laughs> because what? Game face, right? Would those closest to, it, to us, my wife, my children, your spouses, your best friend at school, whomever... Would they say we are more full of ourselves or full of Jesus? Is there a what? A humility in our lives. Doesn't mean be a walkover or a pushover. Is there a humility in our lives? Or is it pride and arrogance? Look at verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock. A flock has the idea, because David talks about this for, before, Psalm 23, which is a psalm of comfort, quoted and preached at more funerals than any, any passage. Why? What do we know about sheep? Well, <laughs> a lot. Some of you have sheep, have dealt with sheep, or you've seen sheep, bah, bah. So here's the thing. What do you know about sheep? Can a sheep live without provision? Nope. They're not that smart. Live without provision? No. They are what? Dependent on the shepherd. We see this in this verse, verse 7, where the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You see yourself in need of his provision? Or do we come across as a non-person of thanksgiving as what? I'm a self-made man, self-made woman. I've got this. That's not being a godly person of what? thanksgiving psalm 23 much like us what do we have that's not a gift from the lord what what do we have nothing and you we know this intellectually we have nothing in our possession that's outside of god's provision from our health to our relationships to the next blink the next breath the next meal heat in this building which is a blessing we have nothing that's not a provision from the father are we thankful for that are we thankful for those blessings are we thankful and i mentioned earlier well but my lot in life with these kids are we thankful for our kids well yes i am are we thankful for our kids when they do crazy things are our kids thankful for us when we're not the best parents, when we're not walking by the Spirit? Are we thankful for those? Are we thankful for our family? Are we thankful for the things God has provided with us, our health or everything? Are we thankful for those blessings? The other idea, are we dependent that, Father, the next breath is from you, and I am sure thankful for that. We've talked about, centered our worship today on Jesus. Are we thankful for Him? Are we thankful for this fellowship? Are we thankful for what? Looking around, and I was driving in, and I was talking to Bill earlier before Sunday school. Driving in, there's an apartment complex 
back down, okay, Iroquois, back down 62 or whatever. There, a couple of high schools within 10 miles, the neighbors around this church. Are we thankful for those around us here? Why? We get to reach out with gospel to those right around us, right? We're thankful for that irate, not to ignore the problem, that irate person at work who just, we go down the other hall when they come by. And you know people just like this. In your classes, it's like, Professor so-and-so, please don't assign a group project with that guy or that girl. <laughs> are we thankful for them? Are we thankful for those people? Or are we dependent upon them, have an attitude of self, or a self, attitude of self-sufficiency? I can handle this on my own, and I don't need anybody. Please hang in there with me. To have an attitude that I don't need anybody is not, and we've all been there, is not living a life of thanksgiving. That's saying, I've got everything in order. I don't need anybody. If you haven't had to come to the place of dependence upon the Father and a spirit of community, it will happen. It will happen. What's one of the problems that we deal with in the church in Christ is trying to do things solo. Right? We try to do things on our own. That's not biblical. We do need an attitude of dependence in our own lives. I'm going to ask you to do something that's a little bit weird and may not work. You're like, what are you doing? I want you to turn to the person on either side of you or in front of you if that happens to be you. I want you to share with them real quickly three things that you are thankful for today. I want you to think about it for a second. A couple of minutes. I want you to share with the person to your left, to your right, three things that you are thankful for today. So, a little group work. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you for that. Now, we don't have to wait until Sunday morning or when we're singing um, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing at the church house to do that. Part of living out a life of thanksgiving means what? We express that to those around us those that are close to us in Christ. And don't wait for Pastor Appreciation Day, for goodness sakes, to do that. That we express what? Our thanksgiving. That we express, and it may be a struggle for you, and you can only do that in the power of the Spirit with somebody who you may even be a little bit at odds with. But are we cultivating a life of thanksgiving, or are we cultivating a life in a spirit of complaint, of jealousy and envy and we've sung about it this morning our service today has been centered on Jesus and if we don't have a song in our heart about King Jesus are we thankful and not just thankful are we consumed with King Jesus the salvation that he's provided should cause a what a song to swell up in our hearts and we have sung about it Melanie Green wrote that, and you know the story of her husband, I'll close with this, Keith Green, who was taken from this world way too early. This was part of her ministry and wrote that when her husband was killed in an aircraft accident. And you, you, we read it in the bulletin, in our worship order. 
Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit to what? The work on earth is done. And can I share with you precious people because I love you in Christ. Your work here is not done. God has strategically placed this body, and please hear my heart, I've been praying for you continually. He's placed this body in this place for his purpose and in his timing. He's not done. He is not finished. Your neighbors, people down the street, either way, they need gospel and they need grace. And who's he called to extend that? I am looking at precious saints. He's called to do that. So let's live lives of thanksgiving please pray with me abba thank you thank you thank you for giving us your son king jesus we are eternally grateful for your coming living and dying so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have eternal life give us thankful hearts i pray that if there's one person in this place today that does not know you, King Jesus, by your spirit, would you draw them? I pray for the saints in this room who are struggling today with circumstances, with trials, with heartaches, physical issues. I pray that you would meet those according to your perfect will and plan. Give us hearts that are thankful in you and for you. We adore you and we love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.